Hey, let's go ahead and praise. They're moving stuff into place. Father in heaven, Lord, and what a beautiful name that you have. In Jesus, the great I am, all that you are, Lord, we, we're just amazed by, uh, by your uh, presence, your glory, the relationship that you want with us, your grace and mercy. You give us more than what we deserve. You're so patient with us. And so, Father, as we, as we go into this new uh, sermon series, I ask that uh, your spirit move convict, and most of all, just draw us closer to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. So again, if you did not grab one of those uh, study guides for this new sermon series, it's going to be about five weeks, and you can grab those on your way out as well. But since, can, can we turn up all the lights? There, I can see you all. I figured since uh, Pete just spent the past several weeks talking about sex, I would keep you uncomfortable because we're going to talk about money. And uh, we're going to talk more than just about money, but uh, this series that we're going to tackle is uh, something that Pete and I discuss. And here's something funny. So we're laying out this series, and we start talking about, well, what's going to be in this series? And so uh, we start throwing out things, you know, like stewardship and generosity and, and uh, leaving a legacy. And then I, then I, then I said, uh, yeah, and then well, there's tithing. And Pete goes, right, 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 there's tithing, tithing. Yeah, you got that one. And I'm like, I'm like wait a minute, why, why do I have that one? And he's like, well... He's like, well, you're the, you're the new guy, so it'll probably, probably come better from you. And I'm like, well, you do most of the preaching, and you're the old guy. Actually, he's not the old but you, you've been here for longer than I, so it would probably come better from you. He's like, no, no, no. He goes, so he says, I'll tell you what, here's what we'll do. We'll write down all of the, all of the sermon topics. We'll put them on a piece of paper, and we'll put them in the hat, and I'll let you draw first. And I thought, Okay, I'll, well, that's, that's fair. So he, he writes them down, shuffles them up, and I, I draw the first one out, open it up. Tithing. Dang it. So I'm like, all right, you go ahead, you go next. And he goes, no. He goes, I feel bad. He goes, I'm going to do the next three out of four, so there's only one left. You, you just pick whatever you want. I said, no, fair is fair. Go ahead, pick the next three. He goes, no, no, but don't worry about it. You just do whatever I want. And so I, I knew something was up. So I said, give me that. So I picked out the next one, opened it up, tithing, <laughs> tithing. I'm like, oh, you son of a gun. That, that's not really how it happened. That's, it didn't happen like that. No, I volunteered. I know a lot of preachers don't like to talk about money, but I actually, uh, it doesn't bother me. I, I, I like tithing because I think when you understand its principles, it's exciting. Now, it may not be exciting to you. In fact, you might be tempted to leave right now or just want to send uh, an email complaint. In fact, if you do want to complain, the church actually has a new email address where you can send, send your complaints. So if you have a pen, I got the complaint email here for you. Okay, it's, it's this right here. Write it down. It's P 
E T E R dot H E C K. So that's Peter dot heck at Jerome C. I can't even get it out. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, before we get into the specifics of tithing, because I know you're eager, <laughs> um, I want to talk about this this sermon series and why we titled it "My Best Life Later." And it's part of the inspiration. Just comes from um, if you how many of you know Dave Rams Dave Ramsey Dave Ramsey Financial Peace. So one of his mottos in his curriculum is is this. Live like no one else, so later you can live like no one else. So, so basically, a lot of what he teaches is if you discipline yourself and your finances, you sacrifice in the present, don't become a slave to debt, don't live beyond your means, then if you do that right now, then later you'll live like no one else. So right now, if you discipline yourself and live like no one else, then later you will truly live like no one else. And so part of the idea of, of this series is that, and it, it has to do with some financial freedom, but it's more than that. So when Pete and I, we sat down, we talked about this series, and we both agreed that it had to be more than just about money. And so we really want to emphasize not just the finances, but the attitude, and actually the Christian attitude towards life. Because if you are a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ, then, then that means that you truly believe and live like your best life is later, not, not now. I mean, remember, I mean, he, he keeps referring to the extension cord and the little piece of tape on the end of it, and our life right now is that little piece of tape, and eternity is everything else. And so if that's truly your attitude and your approach towards life, then that's going to change how you approach your finances. That's going to change how you approach how you handle and prioritize your time, isn't it not? And so we're going to tackle this topic of tithing. And I have to admit, I, it's, I think it's just going to be easier than what I thought because um, I'm, not, I'm not preaching this today because the church needs more money. I mean, our, I mean, you all tithe well. Our church finances are in good shape. The main reason for speaking on tithing today is I want to remind you why we tithe. A lot of you do it. So grateful for that. So grateful to be blessed with a church that has no debt. Very financially responsible. But I want to remind us why we tithe. Because even though things are good now, there may come a time when things are a little tight. And when things are, get tight, we need to lean on, lean on our faith and our trust and our hope in God. I can remember a time in my life when finances were tight. I was aggravated. I took my... Uh, I had to drop off one of my kids at the dentist or something, and I went right next door to uh, uh, Dunkin' Donuts to, to uh, just uh, drown my sorrows in coffee and donuts. So Dunkin' Donuts, uh, this one didn't particularly have a whole lot of seating, so I grabbed my cup of coffee, and I grabbed just donut holes, because that's better for you than whole donuts. <laughs> so I took my, and there wasn't a lot of seating, so I sat down in a seat, and, I was, and there was a table to my right, and then there was another, another gentleman, but there's enough space, and uh, I asked if I could sit. He was like, no problem. So I sat down, set, set my uh, book back down, I set my coffee, coffee down, and I go to pick up my book. 
and I'm drinking, drinking my coffee. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a donut out. So I reached over, over to the donut bag and pulled out a donut and uh, had my first donut hole. And as I'm reading, kind of over the corner of my eye, I, I hear the rustle of my donut bag. And the dude next to me is getting in my donut holes. <laughs> and he took out a donut hole. And I like, I like did a double take. And I'm like, well, and I, I wanted to say something, but I thought, well, maybe there's, maybe there's something wrong with him. So I just kind of took the donut bag and slid it over closer to me. <laughs> and I went back to reading. And then, and then out of the corner of my eye, I see this hand come over. He grabs the bag, pulls it towards him, and takes another donut hole. And at this point, I look at him like, do you want to die? <laughs> do, do you want to keep that hand? And so I grab that bag, and I pull it back over to my side. And I continue to eat the, the donut holes and read. And then he gets up. And before he leaves, he takes the bag takes one more donut hole, all right, closes it back up, pushes it back over to me, smiles, and goes on his way, says nothing. And at this point, I am just steamed. So I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go over to the dentist's office. So I, I close my book, I go down to grab, put it in my bag, and on top of my bag is my bag of donut holes. <laughs> and... You know, I'm a big fat liar. That never really happened. <laughs> I heard another preacher tell the same story. So let's just consider that a parable, all right? <laughs> well, the reason why I told this parable, or the reason why the, the, the preacher, because if you know me, you might have got one donut hole away from me, <laughs> but you would not have got two. Let's not go there. But the reason why this preacher told this parable is because he wanted to give an illustration on tithing. And so he basically said, hey, every week we are given donuts, but God owns all of the donuts. He owns the donut store. He owns the chain of donut stores. All the donuts and donut holes belong to God. But every week we are given 10 donuts. And so this preacher said, out of those 10 donuts, we take one donut and we give it to the church that we belong to. That leaves you with nine donuts. And for some of us, that's a problem because we need 11 donuts to get through our week. And so what he says, if you trust God, then magically God will turn that nine donuts into the 10, 11, or 12 donuts that, that you need. And yes, God can do that, but that's not the whole story. Because it isn't just about the one donut that you give God. Because the, the, the biblical attitude towards tithing and all that we have is about all of the donuts and what we do with all of the donuts. And so the reason why I tell you that parable today is because in, in the story, you know, I think that that dude's robbing me of my own donuts when actually the reverse is true. He's the one being generous and sharing, and I am stealing from him. And that's exactly what's happening in our scripture today in Malachi. So if you, uh, if you don't know where Malachi is, then go to Matthew and then hang a left. It's just right there. It's the end of the Old Testament. All right, so in the, in the uh, uh, book of Matthew, Mal or not the book of Matthew, the book of Malachi. Malachi is a prophet. He wrote this book about 400 years before Christ. And listen, he takes God's 
children, God's people to task on two very important things. The first one that he really takes them to task on is their offerings. And it wasn't so much that they weren't tithing and that they weren't giving, is that their offerings were bad. They were lousy. They weren't giving their first fruits. And if they were giving, uh, if they were giving sac- you know, s- certain sacrifices or animals instead of the best uh, of the animals, they would just give the lame and the crippled. They would give their leftovers, basically, to God. And, and on top of that, they were living lousy. They weren't following God. They were following other gods as well. And so Malachi just takes him to task. He says, your offerings, God would just rather you just close the church doors. He doesn't even want your offerings. So that's the first beef that that Malachi brings up. The second one is this. They were actually calling God out as God robbing them. They They were saying that, hey, God, you are not being true to your promise because we're back here in our land, but you're not taking care of us. You're robbing us. And so what's actually happening is the opposite. And Malachi tells them, God isn't the problem. You're the problem. You're robbing from God. Listen to, look at their complaint here. Malachi 2.13, it says, And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with your tears, your whining and weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering, offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. So again, they're accusing God of not being true to his word. They're accusing God of robbing them of their blessings when, in fact, they are robbing God. And so our text, we're going to start, if you're there in Malachi 3, flip to 3. We'll start with verse 6 and go through 10. I'm not going to put it up there. It's too much. So we'll just read, I'll read it for you. And he starts, starts off like this. It says, for I, the Lord, do not change. That means I keep my promise. I, I, don't, I don't change my mind. I'm true to my word. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes. Other translations say the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test. Put me to the test, says the Lord. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. Just some some amazing promises here, amazing reminders of who God is. But God, God reminds them, hey, bring me the whole tithe, because when you give me the whole tithe, you will experience a pouring of, our ble- of, uh, of my blessing. And Jesus says something similar here in uh, Luke. Remember this? Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. But the key word here, especially in Malachi, is the whole tithe. What is the whole tithe? I mean, they were giving. It was a lousy tithe, but it still was a tithe. So what, what's missing? Was it not quite 10%? I mean, is, is that the whole tithe? What if you, like, 9.5%? Does that mean you out? Is it, is it 10% of your net or your gross? I mean, I, I've heard churches, I mean, I, I, I've just heard it. I'm, I can't believe that some churches do this. Maybe you've heard of it. They actually, of its members, want to see their W-2s. 
Make sure that they're given 10%. Isn't that crazy? Very, very legalistic to say the least. That's not going to happen here. But the whole tithe, what is it? What is it that God's looking for? Well, I can tell you this. God is not hung up with numbers and percentages. That's not what the whole tithe is about. The whole tithe, God is more concerned about your attitude and your heart. Your attitude and your heart. Is that, if that's not in the right place, then you're, it doesn't matter how much you're giving. You're not giving the whole tithe. I mean, if you think about you know, Jesus' approach to, to money, he's never legalistic about it. In fact, he, he preached against the legalism of the religious leaders. And we, we, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, for example, and he doesn't teach on tithing specifically, but he teaches on giving, right? Especially giving to the needy. Here's what I find interesting. Right after he teaches on giving to those in need, he gives us this prayer. And I think this prayer is the key to understanding what the whole tithe is about. Listen to this prayer. It should sound very familiar. It goes like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see, you can tithe 10% or more. But if you don't live like God your Father, you're not giving your whole tithe. If you don't live like you're pursuing His will instead of your own, then you're not giving your whole tithe. If, if your approach is, is not just for daily bread, but more than that, if your daily bread is not enough, then you're not giving the whole tithe. If you've taken what you should have given as a tithe to buy nicer things, because you're not satisfied with your daily bread, then not only have you robbed God, you've robbed yourself. So ponder that for a moment. How many times have we, and I say we because I include me, have we robbed ourselves because we were not satisfied with our daily bread? For myself, more than I would like, more than I want to admit to, you know, this book of Malachi, it's often used to preach on tithing, and it's the reason why I almost didn't use the book to preach on tithing, because, you know, it's kind of the go-to. But if you look at the whole book, it's not just about the money. In fact, that's kind of the last thing. It's their attitude. It's their heart. And, and really, you look at the whole book of Malachi, it goes to show you that God doesn't need your money because he owns it all anyways. Here's a reminder, Psalms 24, that the earth and everything in, it can, everything in it that it contains are the Lord's. The world and all who live in it are his. So it's, it's not about the money. It's got to be something else. One of the things that the prophet uh, shows us is why we give. And so, again, that is the main reason I wanted to speak on this today, is to remind us of why we give. So look at this. We tithe because God loves us and we love him. Amen? We tithe because he's committed to us and us to him. And so if that is the case, tithing is more than obedience. It has to be that. Because if it's just obedience, it's not the whole tithe. Tithing reminds us that all of it is his anyways. 
And get this, tithing helps protect us from greed. Tithing is a testimony to our faith. Tithing is a testimony to God's goodness. So dear Lord, why wouldn't we tithe? Remember, church, that is why we give. And we're not actually giving to the church. We're giving to him what's already his. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't lying to you when I said I, I kind of enjoy talking about money and tithing. You know, my, my wife and I committed very early on in our marriage that we were going to tithe. You know, we, we were getting ready to get married, putting our budget together, and we're like... Tithing is something that we're going to commit to. And uh, we committed to it through thick and thin. And so even when we sold everything and, to, and decided to go to Tennessee to go into seminary, we're going to be living in, at a poverty level, we decided that we still were going to tithe. Even though we were going to live on the least amount we had ever lived on. And I remember sending our tithe checks back to Fairfield Christian Church because that, that was our home church at the time. And we would send them back. And we could have very easily said, you know what, we're on a mission from God. <laughs> so we're going to take a break from our tithing. But we didn't do that. We didn't do that. And I believe God has blessed us because of that. God has blessed us in our 27, going on 28 years of marriage, more than what we deserve and so I encourage, especially you young couples, if that's not something that you've already, you haven't already committed to, I would encourage you to do it very soon. If you think I'm going to, if you, if you come across with this attitude that I'm just going to wait till I can afford it, guess what? You're never going to think that you can afford it. And as far as marriage goes, listen, my wife and I have a great, healthy, good Christian marriage, and I credit tithing as the foundation to that. And here's why. Because tithing... I'm not trying to make light of it that this is easy. Because taking 10% or more and saying and, and, and say I'm going to live on the rest, that's a big step of faith. And so, and so as we've done that, we've laid this foundation for other steps of faith. Because in our almost going on 30 years of marriage, there has been steps of faith that God has asked us to take. And we're like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't feel any support on my next step. And God says, trust me. And we're like, why should we trust you? And then I'm reminded I've, that, hey, you, I've been here for you in your giving. Haven't I always taken care of you? And so it's made taking those steps. I about just biffed it. John, I was almost <laughs> in your lap. <laughs> But it's taking those steps of faith, it's made it a lot easier because we have that foundation. And so I encourage you, encourage you to lay that foundation if you have not already. It's, uh, it's where our journey has taken us, and it all began with tithing. Tithing is something we've instilled in our children as well. As soon as they started earning money, we're like, hey, listen, 10% of it goes to the church this next week. And then 10% goes into savings. Do what you want with the rest, for the most part, unless it's something crazy. Another very important principle we raise our children with that complements the commitment to tithing is the Proverbs 30 principle. And this is a very important principle to uh, myself and my family. And it, it basically says this. Put, I'll put it up here on the screen. Oh, 
Proverbs 30, starting in verse 7, says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty or riches, but give me only my what? Daily bread. Verse 9, otherwise I might have too much and disown you. Think, I don't need you. I got it. I might disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So this principle that we've instilled in our kids is just coming up in uh, several conversations. And one, one of the ways that we instill it, I would ask uh, every one of my kids, I would say from time to time as we're teaching this principle, are we poor? And they would say, no, we're not, we're not poor. And I would, I would ask them, I said, are, are we rich? And they're like, no, we're not rich. And I'm like, well, actually, from a world, worldly standpoint, we are, we are very rich. But from an American standpoint, I get it. Yeah, we're not rich. But I said, where we're at is, is where we're at on purpose. We're not rich and we're not poor. We, we are trying to be content with our daily bread, be satisfied with what God has given us. And so that is something I've just tried to instill into our children, and hopefully they will instill that into their families, because that, that place of being dependent on God and your daily bread, it seems like a dangerous prayer, but it's a safe place to be, dependent upon the Lord. But that prayer has recently come, by, come back to bite me in the butt hard. I mean... I'm sore. And here's why. You know, again, I've been praying this prayer for years. And so many of you know that Sherry and I, during COVID, we made the decision that we were going to move back home here to Indiana. We wanted to be close to my folks and her folks. And so we started to implement a plan. So part of that plan was, you know, hey, at some point I'm going to resign from the, the church I was at because I had already started to... Um, um, invest in real estate, and that was producing some income. And I say, and I told her, I said, I think I can make enough money to kind of get us by and to get us back home. And so we we stepped out on faith to do that. But then something something amazing happened, something unexpected. I started to make a lot of money. I mean, Brad, like a volcano, had just erupted. Uh, that's an inside joke. He didn't think I could get it in. But I was making way more than I thought I was going to make, so much so that I thought, that, well, maybe I'll just do this for the rest of my life because I am making bank. But then Jesus kept nudging ministry, poking me with that, and that's another story, but that's why I ended up here, not continuing to make bank. But I reasoned with myself. I was like, well, you know, once we liquidate everything, we get all moved, I, we should still have a pretty good chunk in the bank. But that's not what happened. It took longer to sell our house in Iowa than we thought. And just everything is more expensive these days, right? You know that. And so we didn't come back broke, but I had big expectations. I wanted like a retirement nest egg in the bank, and that's just not what happened. When the dust settled, the bills got paid, and we ended, up with, we ended up with some, but not as much as I had hoped for, not as much as I wanted. But you know what? What we ended up with 
is just what I'd been praying for. Because one day, I remember I'm sitting in my living room in my devotions, and it's like Jesus reached down from heaven and slapped me in the back of the head and said, dude, I gave you just what you've been praying for, just what you need, because he got us back home. He got us back to where we wanted to be, and he provided everything that we needed to get here. And yet I complained and felt like such, such a loser. But we got more than what we needed. We got a church family that has just filled our cup, overflowing. We had a group over uh, last night. We just had a lot of fun. That's where my inside joke came from. <laughs> Please don't share that joke. Please, I, I will pay you. <laughs> I think that's going to cost me. Well, I want to challenge you this morning. I'm not trying to guilt you into giving more. I want to challenge you and your, your attitude towards not just your giving, but your life. I mean, are you, are you truly trying to live for your best life later, or are you going for your best life now? You know, this series that we're doing, yeah, we're going to talk about money. But listen, you don't like it? Jesus talked about money a lot, so we're going to talk about it. But listen, my aim, Pete's aim, the Holy Spirit's aim is not your money or your bank account. It's your heart. I think, um, I, don't, I don't know if many of you know it, John Maxwell, he's an author, speaks a lot about Christian leadership. I think he sums it up quite well. He says, the bottom line is this. God says, you give me everything, and I'll take care of you. Or you can keep it all, and you can take care of yourself. Now, I'm sure that there are some of you here today who might be struggling with your finances, and this is the last thing you wanted to hear. But hopefully, the Holy Spirit has changed your mind a little bit, because this just isn't about the 10%. It's about the 100%. And hopefully, I've encouraged you to take a look at the 100%. Don't just, uh, don't just think about you know, what you can or can't give Think about your attitude towards all that you've been given. But I also know that there are some here today that uh, you've been tithing quite well and been tithing for a long time. And it's your Christian, you see it as your Christian duty, your Christian responsibility, your membership responsibility to the church. And you live pretty comfortably on the 90%. 10% is no problem for you. And as if if that is you, or anything close to you, I want you to ask yourself, how much of you are you giving to God? Is it just that 10%? You might be a person who gives more than 10%, 15 20%. But if you're not offering God 100% of your life, I hope you know that, that it's, it's more than your money. God wants more than your money. God wants you. Take the Apostle Paul's advice, Romans 12. He says, so here's what I want you to do. Here's how you live your best life later. God help you. God help you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as a what? As an offering. The offering, the offering that, that God wants is you. Listen. 
The whole tithe? What's the whole tithe? You are the whole tithe. You are the whole tithe. You are the offering that God is looking for. What are you, what are you giving him? So I, I wanted to close with, with communion because this is going to tie right in. I, I think that's a whole different sermon, the, the connection between offering and communion. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying, and then right after I pray, uh, they'll be playing some music behind you. I want you to think about your attitude, not just towards the money, but, but towards the, uh, am I living my, for my best life later? And so, you know, contemplate that. Ask God to start working on your heart if you're, if you're not taking that whole tithe approach. So after that, they'll go right into our invitation song. So during that song, and you know, it's very fitting, you'll hear them sing it. They, they haven't done it before. It's called My Offering. So during that time, if you've got a decision to make when they're, when they're playing the song, then come on forward. If you haven't, listen, if you haven't given your life to Christ, then this message really wasn't entirely towards you. Because before we think about any, any obedience, whether it's tithing or anything else, the first obedience is giving my life to Christ, being immersed in baptism, giving your life to him. So if that's something that you haven't done, make that decision today. Let's pray, and we'll take the emblems, and then the invitation will be open, all right? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that, again, that you are a gracious God who has uh, overlooked our greed, our selfish desires, and sometimes not even that. It's just our lack of discipline, Lord, our laziness. They just haven't taken seriously what you have given us because you owned it all all that you have given us is 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 because of you and father forgive us when we don't handle all of our money like we should and not just our money but just all of our resources father we want to use them to glorify you and to further your kingdom and so father we come around your table and we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. And as we eat of the loaf and drink of the, of, uh, the cup, Lord, we're, we are reminded you know, why we give our life to you. And that's because you gave your life for us. And forgive us when we've held back because you held back nothing. We want to live for you. We want our best life to be later, not right now. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Why don't you come around the table now?